Shalom, and welcome to another episode of Israel Policy Pod. I'm Eli Koaz, Communications Director. And I'm Evan Gottesman, Communications Associate. And I'm recording from New York, and Eli has recently relocated to Israel. I'm recording from Tel Aviv. So last weekend saw an unprecedented protest uh, organized um, on behalf of and by the Druze Israeli community, a religious minority in Israel that has recently felt outraged and upset, really been divided over the passing of the nation-state law. That's exactly right, Evan. And it's also important to note that the Druze community feel incredibly loyal to the state of Israel. Almost all Druze serve in the IDF, and many have died on the front lines. Now, before we get to today's featured guest, I was at the square that night, and I talked to some people. So let's hear what they had to say. We, we, we need equality. We need the freedom. We need the democracies as uh, all the Jewish. And I, uh, we want to, to, uh, to, 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 to be there uh, in peace, not in war. Because uh, we are now in war. Uh, I hope that the... This day is going to to do another... How did you feel when the nation-state law passed by the Netanyahu government? I feel uh, upset. I feel angry. I uh, tell tell my uh, son that you don't have to go uh, to to the Tzahal because uh, there is no equality, I, I feel. And uh, we don't know what uh, what uh, what uh, what happening uh, in the future. We hope uh, that uh, the peace uh, is uh, going to, to 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 solve uh, our problem. So uh, why are you here in Rabin Square tonight? I am in charge of a youth movement called Hanoar Oved Valomed, the Young Learning and Working Youth. Uh, and we're a movement for Jews, Arab Druze, and all the people from the country, and we want uh, equality for everyone. And do you feel that the nation-state law, that changed everything? It didn't change everything, but it's not a... It's, it's a discrimination, uh, the law. So we think that we should uh, protest for our rights for everyone. It's not only for Jews. Equality should be for everyone. doesn't matter who you are. So how many people did you bring to the, the square? We have uh, 3,000 people here today from the youth movement. And it's from everyone, Jews, Arab Jews, from all over the country. Those were just two voices from a very special evening at Rabin Square. And now let's turn to our featured guest. Our featured guest today is Brigadier General Amal Assad. He served 26 years in the IDF, and he was one of the organizers of the Rabin Square rally. He's from Isfia, which is a Druze village on Mount Carmel near Haifa, and that's where he joins us from. Amal, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So what made you and almost 100,000 other Israelis come to Rabin Square the other weekend? First of all, I care about this law from two perspectives. 
As an Israeli, I care about this country. This country is important to me. I educated and raised generations here who became soldiers and combat fighters based on the values of equality, the values of democracy, and the love of the other. And it hurts me that my country is starting to make legislation that differentiates between populations. The second level in which it bothers me is that I fought for this country. I was born here and I built this country with my Jewish friends and I fought alongside them. We built this country together, Druze and Jewish people. And one day I suddenly hear that I don't belong in this country. This country doesn't belong to me, and I'm not worth the same as my friends, despite living alongside them, and this really bothered me. I expected that thousands would come support the overturning of the law and the changing of the law, but over 100, 150,000 people came out to my demonstration. Everyone who cares about this country came out for it. I'm very involved in politics. I'm a member of the Likud party, and for 20 years I have been. I'm, a very, I'm very proud to be an Israeli who cares about his country. No one needs to teach me about Zionism or love of country. What does this law say about what the Likud party has become? I have no doubt that the Likud today is not like the Likud that once was. It's not the Likud of Begin, it's not the Likud of Jabotinsky, it's not even the Likud of Shamir. In this country, we have very serious problems, much more serious than the nation-state law. Today, when Israel is strong and the Arabs are so weak, they don't have anything. Why, why now to start creating new laws? We all agree with everything written in the law. I agree with all of it. I just ask for equality, for equality of people in democracy. In this country, we have the principles of democracy that don't exist anywhere else in the Middle East. Why would we get rid of that? It shouldn't matter if we're Jewish or something else. We're all equals. We live here. We were raised here. You're throwing those people aside, and it's not good. It's not my Likud. It's not the Likud that I know. It's not my country that's doing this. This is purely a political law. Even the people who are in Rabin Square and the people who support me, and it's hundreds of thousands of them, tell me that this law is worth it, is worthless, and won't success. They tell me that this law is worthless and won't successfully be implemented. And how did you feel about the nation-state law when it was passed? What was your reaction? Like I told you in the beginning, I don't want to live in a country that's split, where one person is first class and one person is second class and one is third class. I don't want to be first class when another person is second class. I wouldn't be able to look these people in the eyes. I don't want a Jew to look me in the eyes and say, I'm sorry, but you're a guest here. You don't belong here. I don't want to look at another minority, on an Arab or a Christian or a Bedouin, and say, I have more rights than you. I think the state of Israel, which is more important to me than it is to many people who supported this law, this country is important to me, not because of what I did for it. I wasn't doing a favor to anyone. I fought for this country because this is my home. I didn't fight to get a reward. I don't want them to give me a contribution or some reward because I fight in the army. I fight in the military because it's a mitzvah. It's the right thing to do. This is my country, my home. And it hurts me that in my country, they legislate a law that differentiates between populations. I cried and I yelled as loud as I could, and I'm positive, because many people want this country to stay democratic and equal. Of course, I I demonstrated very hard, but for one second, I didn't think that in Israel, in the Jewish nation, where I feel at home, where I feel like this is my family, 
I didn't feel like I was a guest here. I didn't think that my family would tell me, you're a guest here, now go be outside, because we're the owners of the home. And it's, you're very nice and all, but you don't belong here. I think in this country we need equality, 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 for everyone, just like in the army. After all these years, you behave towards soldiers in uniform as equals, including the soldiers who aren't Jewish or who are Haredi or gay or Druze. If he's Arab or Muslim or Christian or Bedouin, every soldier is the same. Every person should be treated like a citizen, not more or not less. I don't want to be treated more than that. How did you feel at Rabin Square during the rally? I got very emotional. I was very emotional to see the hundreds of thousands, over 150,000 people. I was excited to see them, the religious people united, from the yeshivas, the academics, the members of Knesset, to see the state of Israel who came all the way from Dimona, from Tel Aviv. People came from all over. So you went to meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu, and he walked out of that meeting because he said that you had called Israel an apartheid state on a Facebook post. Um, After everything that had happened with the nation-state law, how did you feel about Prime Minister Netanyahu leaving that meeting? I came to the the meeting because I was invited with my friends to come. I went through all the security checkpoints and then arrived at the meeting with the Prime Minister. I said, I respect you in front of all the cameras. And then we sat down to talk. I said, we didn't... We came to speak about the nation law. We came to speak about the nation state law. Then he said to me, I respect you and I respect what you're saying now and what you said last week, but I don't respect what you said in between then and now. So I said to him, I don't know what you're talking about. I asked to be in a limited meeting with not too many people. And he starts to get up and I said, do you want me to leave? Because I was invited. And he said, I won't sit here with someone who calls me the leader of an apartheid state. And I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Prime Minister, I didn't say you're running an apartheid state. I didn't say that our country is an apartheid state. I wrote on Facebook that if this law passes, if these laws that you're now legislating will pass, it leads us to becoming an apartheid state. And I stand behind every word I said. I'll say it again now. But I didn't say a word about us currently being one, not once. And then he wanted to leave and sit separately with a smaller group of people. And they said to him, if you won't sit with... If you won't sit with him, then we won't stay here either. And that's how this whole thing came about. If I thought it was an apartheid state, I wouldn't be serving this country, and I wouldn't love it the way I do. I have two sons. One lives in the United States and studies there, and he travels nearly every week, giving lectures to fight against BDS. I have another son who left here specifically to go on a mission to do Hasbara and speak about how great this country is for minorities. Unfortunately, someone tried to say that I don't respect this country, that I don't respect the Prime Minister, and that's not true. I respect the Prime Minister, and I respect the State of Israel. I love her, and no one will tell me what love of the country means. Amal, one last question. What should be the fate of the nation-state law? We have nothing against anyone. We only want to be seen as equals in this country. We won't agree to anything less than that. We simply want a law that says that Israel is the Jewish state that provides equal rights to all her citizens. That's all I want to say. A Jewish democratic country that gives rights to her citizens. Nearly every Knesset member agrees to this. You can just change the law. Thank you. Thank you for joining Thank you. Thank you very much. Now on the side from this uh now on the side from the nation state law and the attendant domestic political crisis in Israel 
Um, the last week saw a really intense barrage of rocket fire coming out of Gaza, serious damage and injuries in southern Israel, the Israeli military response, and the casualties that come with it, the deaths and injuries among Palestinians. And that sequence of events really draws attention to the need for a coherent, serious political program for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as a whole. And that's something that's been really wanting in recent years, especially considering the leadership in Israel and the Palestinian Authority and the current U.S. administration. The United States had historically been a mediator between the parties, uh, but this administration is different, to say the least. So in light of all of that, Israel Policy Forum has been running an initiative 50 steps before the deal. And the way this initiative works is that every weekday we launch a new step, a new pragmatic incremental measure that can be used to achieve realistic and manageable progress before going into the final status negotiations, the big picture issues. So we're not talking about settling the status of Jerusalem or laying out the exact contours and borders of a two-state solution but things that can be made better, things that can be done to ease the situation uh, between Israelis and Palestinians. And these are policies that can be taken by Israel, by the Palestinian Authority, and by the United States. And each step comes packaged with a bunch of digital resources that we release on the 50 Steps website, www.50beforethedeal.com. That's five zero before the deal. Those are videos, articles, reports, podcasts like this one. And the goal is really to build a better understanding of what's missing before the final status agreement, because the final status issues are well known and well understood, but there's something in between where we are now and where we need to be in the end, and that really seems to be missing. So we've just passed... uh, Step 30, um, we have about 20 more steps, and it's going to wrap up in early September. So you can continue to follow that on our 50 Steps website and on our social media accounts. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can learn more about Israel Policy Forum's work online at our website, www.israelpolicyforum.org, and on our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Telegram. Thanks for joining us.